Thanks for listening to Against the Mat Wrestling Podcast. We upload new episodes every Monday and Friday. Be sure to listen to Uncaged Voice on Twitch or YouTube and listen to the Red Pill Current News Podcast on all major audio platforms every Wednesday and Saturday for current news and special interviews. Here are your hosts, Donny Cage and the Kentucky Guy. All right, and welcome to Against the Mat Wrestling Podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, the Kentucky Guy. Along with Donnie Cage. Aha, there he is. How's it going, Mr. Cage? It is great, Kentucky Guy. It's a little bit of a gloomy day on the East Coast, but otherwise, I'm doing great. Yeah, the rain has been kind of crazy here in our area as well. Uh, kind of sunny out today, but... uh. Yeah, I can definitely feel you on the gloomy weather. We've had uh, multiple, multiple days of that. Uh, so if this is your first time tuning in, be sure to hit that follow or subscribe button, no matter which platform you're listening to us on. Also hit that notification button because it allows you to know every time a new episode is uploaded. Uh, we are on 73 different audio platforms at this time, including Spotify, Apple iTunes, iHeartRadio, Pandora, Amazon Music, and the list goes on. Also, Mr. Cage does co-host another podcast. Tell him about Uncaged Voice, sir. Yes, if you'd like to hear some entertainment news, some uh, celebrity gossip, uh, information on movies, gaming, all sorts of topics, check out the Uncaged Voice podcast on our official YouTube channel. It is co-hosted by myself, Jigsaw Jester, and Top Tier Rated. Also, if you like current news, politics, and things of that nature, uh, you can in interesting interviews, you can also check out the Red Pill Current News Podcast. I host it. We do drop two episodes a week there. I do have a special interview that's going out today. It is with a YouTuber, a YouTube influencer, Van Buren 20, who has so many different uh, followers and subscribers. He's been on the platform for about 10 years, so he knows the ins and outs all about YouTube. So that should be an interesting, interesting interview as well. So if you ever like to be a guest on this show or have any questions for Donnie or myself, you can all, always email us at ol, Kentucky spelled out, Kentucky 99 at yahoo.com. Also in our description down below you can check out our merch as well as our social media platforms be sure to follow us on everything and we do appreciate all the support and love all right so normally on saturdays we do the fantasy booking however there is so much to go over with the draft happening last night and just so many things happening in the world of wrestling right now that i figured we figured that we might as well just skip that for this week uh, and of course we'll have to skip it for next week as well, because next week is backlash. All right. So, uh, yeah. And saying all that, uh, Mr. Cage, let's go ahead and get into 
SmackDown results. Uh, as we know, this was night one of the WWE draft. And the first match on the card was Butch versus LA Knight. LA Knight was your winner. Uh, I'm okay with LA Knight winning this match. I am looking more forward to seeing Pete Dunn, hopefully sooner rather than later. Uh, but yeah, you know, I, I thought it was a decent match. LA does need to look strong right now. And then uh, the next match was the Street Profits, who were drafted as a team. I don't know why. To SmackDown versus Braun Strowman and Ricochet versus LWO, which LWO must be on the card from now on just to put other teams over. The Street Profits, for some odd reason, was your winners. So your thoughts on those two matches, sir? Well, I'm never upset about seeing the Street Profits pick up a win. I am I am a fan of this tag team, although, as you mentioned, Kentucky guy, we thought that this uh, draft this year was going to mean a possible split of this tag team and maybe a Montez Ford singles run, which I would have been all for, but apparently it's just not in the cards at this point in time, which is a little disappointing. Uh, decent enough triple threat tag match, but yeah, LWO, unfortunately, they're kind of like the, the, the job squad right now. They're just putting all the other teams over, which is unfortunate because they're talented, but they have no real sense of direction, which kind of makes me wonder why did they rename them the LWO in the first place? Didn't get it. Don't get it. But, um, LA Knight and Pete Dunn, uh, or Butch, I should say, put on a, put on a good showing here. Happy to see L.A. Knight pick up a win on, on SmackDown. Um, I would love to see Butch go back to just being the bruiserweight Pete Dunne. We keep hearing rumors that that might happen, and yet they don't seem to want to pull the trigger. Come on, guys. Just make him Pete Dunne again, the bruiserweight. Everybody wants to see it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then we have uh, Zelina Vega took on Sonya Deville. Of course, Zelina Vega won that match. She's got to look kind of tough because she's going against the SmackDown Women's Champion Rhea Ripley. Uh, she has no prayer in that match <laughs> coming up, but she's in the match anyways. And, you know, Rey Mysterio did try to give her a confident boost uh, after the match behind the uh, backstage. Here's my issue with this. Zelina Vega, our memory, we don't have short-term memory loss, okay, WWE? We remember her losing every single match before she left for a while. So just because she's a part of LWO, now she's a contender for the championship? No, no, no. I don't think so. She's a mid-carder. She'll always be a mid-carder. Actually, and I hate to say because Rey Mysterio is a part of the team, the LWO is all a mid-card faction, So, in my opinion. And then we had the main event, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn defended the undisputed tag team titles against the Usos. And surprisingly, surprisingly to me, because of all the talk about Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn losing the titles and possibly splitting up, which didn't make any sense because once again, we're still in April and it just was WrestleMania. They did win and retain the titles. So I thought that was good. Something's up. Something's up with the Usos and the bloodline. We'll talk more about that when we talk about the draft here in just a moment. Something is up. I don't know what's happening. I don't know if it's just a work for all of us, which the bloodline is great for doing. So I don't know. But your thoughts on those two matches, sir? 
Well, you raise a good point, Kentucky guys. Alina Vega was on quite the losing streak for a while, and now she's picked up maybe one or two wins on television, and suddenly she's in contention for the SmackDown Women's Championship. I guess that's that's just all it takes. We'll just pick a random person out of a hat and make them the number one contender. Um, I always thought you had to rack up a lot of wins on television first in order to qualify for that, or at least win some sort of qualifying match. Uh, I mean, it just, I mean, I'm a fan of Zelina's, don't get me wrong, but I just feel like she needed to do more to earn this opportunity. It, it yeah, she, she's not going to dethrone Rhea Ripley. Let's face it. Ma Ma Mammy is on a, uh, is on a, a hot streak right now. She's one of the top stars in WWE. She, she, she's got to look strong here. So, um, yeah, that's really all I have to say about the upcoming SmackDown women's title match. Um, the tag team title match was great. I mean, these four, you put them in a ring, it's, it's always going to be amazing. Obviously, it's not on the same level as their WrestleMania 39 match. That was a match of the year contender as far as I'm concerned um, with the level of drama that was in that match. But this still had a couple of near falls in it, and they kind of surprised us here because it would have been very easy for them to put the straps back onto the Usos. But they said, you know what? Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn, they're a great tag team. The fans want to see them win and, and carry those titles. We're not going to make them lose this early on. I do agree with you. There's definitely something going on within the bloodline, and we're going to talk about it more as we get into the draft. Yeah, let's go ahead and uh, let's go ahead and shoot from the hip and talk about it right now, since we're going to start talking about the draft. So basically, what Donnie and I are hinting around on is it's so weird because the bloodline. First of all, I am not a fan of this draft so far, and for a couple reasons. The first thing is, is when did we start drafting entire factions to one show? What happened to the drama of possibly splitting teams up and factions up and so forth? So the bloodline as a faction was drafted all together to SmackDown, but the bloodline only consisted of Roman Reigns, Solo, and Paul Heyman. The Usos weren't even qualified to be drafted on Friday night. No, no, no. They're going to be drafted on Monday Night Raw. Why are they not a part of the Bloodline faction? They have been all along. We the one, we the one. I mean, that's that's strange in itself. So that's what we've been talking about. What's your thoughts on that, Mr. Cage? Because that blows my mind. Man, Kentucky guy, the, the criteria of the draft this year just doesn't make any sense. Um, I could see to some degree if you have two people who are together as, who are together as a tag team and they are currently title holders and saying that if you're going to draft one, you can't just draft one. You have to draft them both because they're title holders currently. So that by that logic, that kind of makes sense. But anyone else who is not a title holder that is in some sort of faction should be drafted as individuals as far as I'm concerned. By WWE's logic, if you want to compare it to, say, like the NFL draft, oh, well, we don't just have to draft one player. We can draft the entire defensive line at once in the in this round because that's, because that's just how it works. <laughs> that's, not, that's not how it works. It was always every single wrestler, female and male, 
was drafted as an individual in the past. I understand they want to shake things up, but th th this whole, the way they've been going about this draft makes no sense. The bloodline is a prime example. You can draft three out of the five bloodline members, two of them for whatever reason can't get drafted or weren't eligible to be drafted. It, it makes no sense to me. And, you know, I'll tell you another thing on this draft. And this this draft, we were it was built up to be a game changer and to be, like, the greatest draft ever. Here's my problem. Is Triple H the only person doing the draft? We have presenters, but we don't have, like, a GM for both sides. Actually, what's strange is we didn't even see Adam Pierce at all during the draft he wasn't a presenter but yeah we had former gms who i would have loved seeing one of the headlines uh before uh the actual smackdown show was teddy long was going to be there and we didn't know if he was going to be a gm that would have been great teddy long versus adam pierce both recruiting teddy long as a gm again i i could dig that i could dig that player but yeah so Triple H is the only one smart enough to draft. Where is the excitement? There's no excitement there. There's no excitement. Triple H is battling himself because evidently he's acting like GM of both Raw and SmackDown because he's, so he's competing against himself. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying, Mr. Cage? Does it make any sense? It doesn't make any sense to me. What you're arguing makes total sense to me. And what I would have done if I was WWE Bring Triple H out at the beginning of the draft, and he could introduce the new GMs of Raw and SmackDown. He could say, uh, drafting tonight on behalf of Raw, Adam Pierce, or, or whoever they name the GM. Drafting on behalf of SmackDown, Teddy Long, or, or whoever. And each time they make a draft pick, they come out and they say, SmackDown selects this wrestler, Raw selects this wrestler. At least it would have made logical sense. But yeah. People coming out, uh, random, uh, you know, superstars from times past, and just saying, "Here's who SmackDown selects, and here's who Raw selects." Didn't they have RVD out there at one point? If I remember right, him and Michael Hayes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, what do they have to do with any of the storylines going on right now? <laughs> and so, Roman Reigns was your, or the Bloodline was your first draft pick to SmackDown. Your second draft pick to Raw. It's Cody Rhodes. Hello? Where is the storyline of chasing the title and dethroning Roman Reigns? You cannot, you cannot give Cody Rhodes the new, he cannot be the, become the champion at Night of Champions with the new belt. It can't. You're going to ruin this guy's career because in everybody's mind, it's going to be, you couldn't get the job done at WrestleMania, so you had to settle for a title given to you maybe you earned it but it's still beneath the universal champion because you couldn't beat him would you agree with that he cannot be the champion at night of champions if it were me as much as i would love to see cody as a world champion it would automatically feel like he's just getting a consolation prize like oh boy uh cody we're sorry you couldn't beat roman at wrestlemania there here's a big shiny gold belt for you though to carry around as a prop um, so I agree with you hundred percent on that. Um, the new world heavyweight champion needs to be someone who could benefit from having this belt, 
who hasn't challenged Roman Reigns during his reign, in my, in my opinion. Um, or, or if they did challenge Roman Reigns, it was so long ago that people have pr practically forgotten about Seth it. Rollins. Um, Seth Rollins would be fine. Um, because, uh, because actually, if, it, if you want to get technical, Roman Reigns, when Seth did get a shot at him at the 2022 Royal Rumble, Roman didn't beat him by pinfall or submission. The match was thrown out because of DQ. Yep. That, that is the man. So it's going to be very interesting to see where he's drafted. Very interesting to see where he's drafted on Raw because, or on, uh, yeah, on Raw night two, because if he's drafted to SmackDown, I'm liable to just go crazy and bust every television in this house. Because <laughs> if you're on SmackDown, you know, they said the world champion has to be on a different program than Roman Reigns. And we know Roman Reigns is on SmackDown now. So, anyways, I'm hoping, I'm hoping Raw, Night 2, the draft, I'm hoping it's better. I don't have a whole lot of hope, but I'm trying to. I really, in my, in my mind, and yes, we did get a couple NXT. By the way, this doesn't make any sense to me either. The NXT stars that came over were, were females, but they were also the female world champion on NXT and the female tag team champions on NXT. So are they bringing those belts over to where they were drafted? Are they forfeiting them on NXT? What's the deal? Also, you have the Raw Women's Champion drafted to SmackDown now. Are her and Rhea Ripley just going to trade belts? Or like Becky Lynch and uh, Charlotte did? Or do you have any answers for this, Mr. Cage? I don't know. I just don't know. Well, correct me if I'm wrong. Rhea Ripley wasn't drafted in this round. No, but Bianca Belair was to SmackDown. Bianca Belair was. To SmackDown. Um, so... So yeah, that makes no sense unless Rhea Ripley gets drafted to Raw, then they would have to do a title swap between her and Rhea Ripley, um, which again, I've never been a fan of the whole, let's just swap the belts. Um, and what also doesn't make any sense is EO Sky is challenging Bianca Belair for the Raw women's title at Backlash, and yet they're both going to be on SmackDown afterwards because Damage Control was also drafted to SmackDown. Yeah, what about the NXT champions? Uh, it, that that's confusing. Uh, well, as far as I know, Alba Fire and Isla Dawn are defending those belts this week on NXT against uh, Katana Chance and Caden Carter. So my guess is they're probably going to drop the belts since they've been called up to uh, to Raw uh, to, to Raw. Right. right. And what about Indy, the female? And then Indy, um, well, I mean, hey, at least we'll get to see uh, Index have their uh, long-awaited reunion on the main roster. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, she would have to drop the title, too, I would assume. Once again, I'm not, I'm not a fan of her just forfeiting the belt. Although, if you remember, when Solo Sokoa was the NXT North American champion, they made him forfeit the belt for no reason. And you know what's sad is she has worked so hard for that belt. She was on NXT a long, long time before she was champion. Oh, man, I just, I, I don't know. So I would grade this draft so far a 5 out of 10. How about yourself? Yeah, not much not much higher than that. I'm, I might give it like a 5.5 5 out of 10. 
Um, but yeah, can't go much higher than you, Kentucky guy. I, re I really was kind of under underwhelmed by the first night of the draft. And hopefully, you know, on uh, our uh, Tuesday episode and our prediction show for Backlash, we'll have uh, better news after watching Raw, I hope. Uh, something, something's got to give. It's got to get better, right? <laughs> All right, sir. So you've got the next two headlines. All you. All right. <clears throat> WWE star may be leaning towards retirement soon. Technically, this should say former WWE star. Nia Jax, a.k.a. Lena Fanin, appeared on Busted Open Radio on Wednesday. During the interview, she talked about what she's been doing since leaving WWE, and interestingly, she revealed that Tamina Snuka may have wrestled in her last Royal Rumble match. Oh, okay, I see. Tamina has only wrestled twice on WWE main event since January. So Nia Jax said, It's funny because with the previ previous Rumble, I was not going to come back. I was asked to come back, and I was like, absolutely not. I wasn't there, but this last one, my cousin Tamina talked about it, and she said it might be her last one. I was like, if that's going to be Tamina's last Rumble, then I definitely want to be a part of it if they wanted me to be a part of it. I had all these expectations, and I was nervous about going backstage. And I know, you know, the feeling like, how am I going to be welcomed? How are people going to receive me? It was good. And I think it was good because I was in a good place. When I came in, it felt really nice. I did not expect the crowd to even react. I was like, I can't believe I'm number 30. These people are going to be dead silent. But I was super grateful that people remembered who I was. Well, I mean, yeah, of course, people are going to remember who you are. It wasn't all that long ago. She still worked for the company. But, um, yeah, so this sounds like... Tamina Snuka could be considering retirement at this point in time in her career. Nia Jax doesn't really say yes or no to whether she'll be stepping back into the ring again. Um, I mean, for me, you know, I'm indifferent about this story because I was never a huge fan of either wrestler, unfortunately. You know, um, Tamina, I will say, was at least has always at least been a safer worker than Nia Jax. Nia Jax, as we've seen on multiple occasions, injured people. I mean, she injured Kyrie Sane one time. She broke Becky Lynch's nose unintentionally, of course, but nonetheless, it was recklessness in the ring. And, uh, you know, Tamina obviously is a respected veteran, but unfortunately, she, you know, really, other than her name, she didn't really accomplish a whole lot during her WWE career. I hate to be the, uh, negative Nancy here, but I don't think it's going to leave that big of a void in the company. I, uh, could care less. I didn't even know she was still with the company. She is, uh, uh, she's, <laughs> she, you know, she's got a good last name. Her daddy was a good wrestler. That's about the only thing I can say. She's got a good wrestler. Her cousin was a good wrestler, the rock. I mean, but she's never, she's never done anything notable and she never was good on the mic. And yeah, who cares? I thought she was already gone anyway. So next headline, bro. Our favorite person to tell a story about CM Punk meeting with Chris Jericho went well. During a recent PW Torch audio show, Wade Keller talked about the CM Punk plane ride from Tampa and indicated the, the idea to go to Raw seemed to happen as he was on the plane and he saw some WD, WWE talent on the same flight. Sounds like Punk didn't just show up cold. He was on a flight with some people and connecting dots only here. Some people made it seem the idea entered Punk's head based on his interactions with WWE people on that flight. That maybe he'd be welcomed. 
or it'd be a good idea to visit Raw. Sounds like Tony Khan was not given a heads up on this. Of course he wasn't. The indications point towards Punk just kind of did this with the idea ostensibly being it's not a big deal. It's just that he wanted to say hi to some friends when they're in Chicago. Part of me just thinks this is going to kind of blow over as a non-factor in the big picture trajectory of Punk in AEW. Keller added that Punk visiting Raw will be seen by critics as another bit of a warning sign of just Punk's judgments in terms of reading the room of how to lay low and help Tony Khan create a successful plan to reintegrate Punk into a volatile situation so they can get something for the money he paid him. Your take. Keller also confirmed that the meeting with Chris Jericho, CM Punk, and FTR as the neutral party went well. Well, uh, yeah, I, I read about this and I, 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 I was shocked, but I wasn't so shocked because I said it's, I mean, it's CM Punk and the guy just marches to the beat of his own drum. And maybe he was just there to say hello to a few friends, but he did have a brief conversation with Triple H while he was there. And based on everything I've read, it was to smooth things over with WWE's chief creative officer. And he also apparently buried the hatchet with The Miz due to past heat that they had while they were there. You know, there's even some people who believe that Punk showed up behind the scenes in WWE on Raw because he's secretly trying to get fired by AEW. Who knows what the truth is? The truth lies somewhere. But, uh, yeah. I'm just never shocked anymore when I read a story about CM Punk. Well, I can debunk the one to get fired uh, by AEW rumor because he has been too aggressive holding on to that contract <laughs> to get back on AEW television. Now, he doesn't want to get fired from there. That's his last thing. He didn't even want them to, well, they didn't. He didn't even want them to buy his contract out. It's such a ridiculous price he offered, so... I think he was there just to see. It's kind of like you ever hear, I'm going to give you so much rope and then you can hang yourself. He wanted to see how much lean way and how much rope he had. And he found out kind of quickly because Vince McMahon called in and said, get him out of the building. And he was asked to leave. Now I did hear there was no drama when he was asked to leave. And that's pretty cool. You know, but, uh, he's not really in the shape right now to cause much drama. He's very, very, I don't know if you want to say lucky or what, that he even still has a job. He's got some smart, let's put it this way. CM Punk's going to be back on AEW television on Saturday nights when the show starts. There's no doubt in my mind. And he can think he's got some very, very talented, good lawyers. And I'll just leave it at that. He has some very good lawyers, and that's why. And plus, they were able to manipulate Tony Khan, who's a fan of his as well. Let's not leave that part out. He's a Tony Khan's a fanboy of CM Punk, always has been, and I think in the end he's going to lose more than he gains by bringing him back. Just my opinion. All right, so let's go over one headline here, and then we'll get into the dynamite results. Backstage news on what Bray Wyatt has told people about his WWE status. Good thing for these headlines because. We're definitely not hearing his name on television anywhere. All right. Fans are still looking forward to seeing Bray Wyatt make his return to WWE television. And he is as well. After Wyatt missed the WWE house show at uh, Madison Square Garden and disappeared from television, 
It was reported that Wyatt was dealing with an illness. This caused WWE to scrap plans for Wyatt to wrestle Bobby Lashley at WrestleMania. Heading into this WWE, this year's WWE draft, there was some optimism that WWE might hold off on Wyatt's comeback for a surprise return, similar to what they did with AJ Styles on the first night of the draft during uh, Friday Night SmackDown. Not only did that not happen, but there's still no indication that Wyatt is getting closer to making a return. Sean Ross of Fightful uh, reported that Wyatt, Wyatt is excited about his return when that happens. The report noted Bray Wyatt was overcoming an illness as of WrestleMania weekend and wasn't in the creative plans. However, he's told people close to him he's excited to make his way back whenever he's able. We do wish Wyatt a speedy recovery and look forward to his return. So he must have like, I don't know, pneumonia or something like, like he, this is an awful long, I mean, and don't get me wrong. I am sympathetic. Hope he feels better. I feel the company has done a horrible job. Even if he is out with an illness of not keeping his name going while he's out through vignettes or something, but this illness I don't know. That's that's the only thing I've heard is illness, and it must be something big, because it's it's kept this guy out for a while now. So, your thoughts, sir? Yeah, I'm just I'm getting tired of waiting for him to come back to TV, uh, Kentucky guy. I'm always sympathetic to somebody whenever they're going through an, any kind of ailment, um, whether it be physical, mental, or where a combination of the two or whatever. But uh, what I don't understand, and I've said this before, why, okay, he's off television. It doesn't mean you can't keep the storyline with Alexa Bliss and Uncle Howdy still going. It doesn't mean you can't still plant more seeds for what the Wyatt Six were. We still never found out what the Wyatt Six were. We just kept hearing about it over and over again. We had all these barcodes, and uh, everybody was so intrigued. We were like, where are they going with this storyline? And it went absolutely nowhere because he disappeared from television. Um, and they're probably, and when he does eventually come back, if and when, um, they're probably never even going to follow up on that storyline he had going with Bobby Lashley that was supposed to lead to a WrestleMania match. It's just very frustrating from a creative perspective because um, we invested, we as fans invested so much in seeing him come back. And instead of, you know, coming back with a bang, it's pretty much been a, been a thud, if you will, a whimper. Yeah, that's where the companies kind of dropped the ball. Because they were slow playing everything so much. And I know what they were doing. They weren't thinking that he was going to get sick or hurt or, or what have you. And they could just keep doing it. And it was working to an extent. I mean, to an extent. But even back then before he got sick, we were saying, ah, you need to speed things up just a little bit. You need to speed things up just a little bit. But then when he gets this illness and he's unable to do anything, you completely just like he doesn't exist right now. What? That's that's no way to any character, especially the most the highest paid and the by the way, WWE's best selling of twenty twenty two merchandise. He's the he ended up being the best seller his merchandise uh for the company. That's no way to do that. You have to have something. Go ahead. Oh, no, no. I was just going to add to that. Like, let me give you another example. Like you, you take Roman Reigns or Cody Rhodes, you know, guys who have more active role in the roster right now. When those guys 
aren't on TV for a week or two, let's say, aren't they still talked about? It's not like, oh, uh, Roman Reigns, our world champ. Yeah, we're, we're just not going to mention him when he's not on TV. Even the announcers haven't mentioned his name. It's, just, it's, it's very odd. All right, so let's go to AEW Dynamite results. We had in the first match, Jeff Jarrett versus uh, uh, one member of FTR, Dax Hardwood. I thought this was a decent match. Jeff Jarrett was the winner due to outside interference. But Dax Hardwood, he can go as a singles competitor. I mean, I'd much rather see him uh, with his partner in FTR, but he can go. He can go. Uh, I'm going to let you comment on that one because the next match had a lot after it. So what's your thoughts on that match? Yeah, solid matchup from the two guys, you know. Um, Yeah, I mean, Dax is a tag team wrestler. There's no question about it. But every once in a while, I don't mind seeing a tag team wrestler compete in a singles match. I mean, it mixes things up every now and then. Um, I was actually surprised that Jeff Jarrett picked up the win here. But um, in many ways, it makes sense because Jeff has always excelled as a singles competitor in his career, whereas Dax Harwood hasn't. Yeah, well, it it didn't hurt that he had outside interference too. So, <laughs> and then the next match we had Kenny Omega and Takashita versus the Butcher and the Blade, and your winners Kenny Omega and Takashita. Now, the reason why I want to do this match separate is because after the match, Brian Danielson's out there on the microphone, and he says he sees one professional wrestler who got the pin. By the way, he's talking about Takashita. And one amateur who looks like he's exhausted, like his best days are behind him and living off the legacy he built in Japan. He said if Takashita trained with the uh, BCC, he would he would be a world beater. John Moxley, Claudio, and Willer Yuta attacked Takashita and Omega from behind. They threw Takashita out of the ring, leaving Omega alone. Danielson pulled out the screwdriver, but the Young Bucks superkicked him. Yuta ran up the aisle and got hit with a superkick as well. Omega gave Danielson a dragon suplex, and the Bucks gave him a superkick. Omega picked up the screwdriver. Danielson told Takashita to get in the ring, and Takashita begged Omega not to use it while the Bucks held Moxley in place to be hit. Yuta came back and pulled the Bucks off Moxley. Moxley gave Omega the uh, uh, paradigm shift. Danielson raised Takashita's hand. Takashita looked confused. Yuta gave Takashita then a low blow. And Moxley Moxley repeatedly stabbed Takashita in the forehead, which split him open as the show went off the air. So, yeah, the reason why I wanted to talk about this is because this Takashita guy, he, I, I mean, I guess he's, He's no longer, <laughs> I guess he's not confused anymore, but he was confused. Like, I thought he was a member of the Elite. He come out there, he had a heck of a match with Omega versus the Butcher and the Blade. And then he kind of turned on Omega in a sense, but then he would not let them raise his hand with the uh, combat club. And then Yuta gave him a low blow. So I thought this this airing was kind of suspicious, but it's a good storyline because now we know that the young bucks and Omega have got to have questions for this guy. Like 
what in the heck were you thinking on the next uh, Dynamite? But uh, your thoughts on that match? Well, I guess in his mind, um, as far as the aftermath, the, ma- the match itself was, you know, pretty good main event, good showcase for Omega and Takashita. Um, you know, I guess in Takashita's mind, he felt, you know, let's, you know, these if these guys are going to attack us, well, yeah, let's t- let's attack them back, but we don't have to sink to their level and start stabbing people, stabbing people with screwdrivers. Um, that that was my interpretation of it anyway. But yeah, for a brief moment, it almost looked there like he was going to align himself with the BCC until they obviously hit him with a low blow and then started attacking him. So I, uh, unless this is some elaborate swerve that they've got planned, uh, I don't think uh, Takashita is going to be aligned with the BCC going forward. Yeah, I don't think he's confused anymore. <laughs> and then we had, I don't even want to talk about this match. It makes zero sense. It's zero sense. We have the AEW International Championship match, Orange Cassidy versus a former heavyweight champion in Ring of Honor, Bandito. And, of course, they let Orange Cassidy win the match and keep his belt. If there was ever an opponent and a chance to get this title off of this guy, this orange-headed freak, this was it. Bandito is, is he's been a champion everywhere. New Japan, Ring of Honor. I, I just don't get it. And then we had another title match that I don't understand as well because here was your way out and you blew it. And that was for the AEW TBS championship match. Jade Cargill versus uh, Valkyrie, Taya Valkyrie. And Jade Cargill retains her title. What? First of all, they had a stipulation where Taya could not use her own finishing move or she'd been disqualified. I I just, do you ever want to end this streak on this girl and get this title off on her? It's a little ridiculous now, in my opinion. Uh, your thoughts on those two matches? Yeah, um, uh, what can I say? AEW is all in on uh, Orange Cassidy. Yes. The international champion. Um, I've said it before that he's he's surprised me with some of his ability in the ring, but I just I, I'm confused as to why he's still the international champion. Um, not to knock all the Orange Cassidy fans out there, but I just don't see him as a guy who should be a long term title holder. And like you just said, Bandito uh, has he's been a champion in New Japan, Ring of Honor, definitely has or has crowned himself a legitimate superstar. And yeah, he takes the lost orange Cassidy. It's uh, kind of strange. I don't understand it. Um, I don't know, man. You know, I actually would have preferred since this wasn't a pay-per-view, I would have preferred if Taya Valkyrie would have just hit Jade with her, with her finisher and gotten disqualified. That way, at least there's a chance that these two could clash again in the future down the line. Because the the Jade Cargill experiment, I mean, I'm sorry, she she's got a great look, but other than that, it's like, what does she really bring to the table? I don't think she's that charismatic, and you know her wrestling ability is it's okay, but it's nothing spectacular. I don't think it really warrants her being the TBS champion for this long. And now that Taya Valkyrie didn't beat her, I'm 
really just at a loss as to who's going to end Jade Cargill's reign as TBS champion. She has four moves besides her finishing move. If you ever get a chance, go back and watch her matches. She has four moves and then her finisher. That's pretty much it. All right, then we had the Four Pillars Tournament finale, or final. Uh, Sammy Guevara versus Darby Allen, And Sammy Guevara was the winner of the match due to uh, help from his new best friend, MJF. However, after the match, Tony Schiavone said he just talked to Tony Khan, and Khan said next week there will be a tag team match with MJF and Sammy Guevara against Jungle Boy and Darby Allen. If MJF and Guevara win, then they will face each other at double or nothing. If Jungle Boy and Darby Allen win, it will be a Pillars four-way match. This is what it should have been from the beginning. Perry and Allen, and then Perry and Allen shook hands, blah, blah, blah. So, yeah, Jungle Boy and Darby Allen, I don't know how they'll be able to coexist. It should be interesting. And then we had in the ring, Adam Cole comes out and he calls out Chris Jericho to come to the ring. When he didn't appear, Cole said he's going to go find him. As Cole was about to leave the ring, Jericho appeared on a video wall. He said he doesn't want to be anywhere near Cole after Cole allowed the love of his life to get viciously beaten right in front of his eyes. Jericho sent the JAS to the ring, a four-on-one attack. Onco happened until Orange Cassidy and Bandito, which was kind of odd because they just had a match, came in to help Cole. But JAS got the better of them. And then here we go. I like this. Making his AEW debut, Roderick Strong came in and even the odds and took out the other four members of the JAS. And then we seen the reunion hug of Cole and Roger Strong. I was very happy to see Roger Strong on there, uh, especially since uh, the other two aren't on there right now. So, and the one guy actually got released. So, Roderick Strong, he's an amazing athlete. Hopefully, AEW can help him uh, do something more than what he was able to do on NXT. And I think this is a good thing. Cole needs a faction, some type of faction. And I think this is a good start. Uh, your thoughts on these two th- segments? Yeah, um, you know, a good way to wrap up uh, this episode of Dynamite. Although, again, the thing that frustrates me about the whole Four Pillars storyline for the AEW World Championship, I guess Tony Khan thinks that we all have short-term memory loss, much like WWE does. And the reason I say that is because, remember way back in the day when the Inner Circle was still a thing and MJF and Sammy Guevara were both members And Sammy Guevara was the one who exposed MJF and said that he was going to turn his back on the inner circle. And then that led to a feud with the pinnacle, blood and gut. Anyone remember that that Chris Jericho got thrown off the kit? No, whatever. It doesn't matter. It's ancient history. But um, yeah, now they're they're best buddies, even though Sammy Guevara wants MJF's title. So that aspect of the storyline doesn't make any sense to me. Um, But uh. Looking forward to the tag team match next week. I'm sure it'll be a good contest. Um, you know, the uh, Adam Cole and Chris Jericho are on a collision course. There's no question about it. 
I, I, I'm not even going to really comment on the run-in by Orange Cassidy and Bandito because that made no sense at all. They have no connection to Adam Cole to speak of. They're just two random guys that they said, yeah, go out and help them. Roderick Strong, obviously, has all that history from being a part of the Undisputed Era in NXT with Adam Cole. Happy to see him back. I think AEW is going to be a much better fit for Roderick Strong than, uh, than NXT was, at least the current iteration of NXT. So, yeah. Happy to see him on AEW programming. Yep, yep. I was glad to see him. Uh, he has one of the most killer backbreakers of any other professional wrestler. I've always enjoyed watching him uh, compete. So uh, you've got the uh, next two headlines, sir. So former WWE star Trinity Fatu debuted at the Impact Wrestling tapings. We've been wondering where she was. Trinity Fatu's name had been rumored as the major surprise, and that was confirmed tonight at the tapings in Chicago. This is her first pro wrestling appearance since leaving WWE last year. Mercedes Monet, a.k.a. Sasha Banks, was there, but she was hidden somewhere in the building. She was only there to show support for Trinity. Trinity on her WWE departure, I feel like it was a blessing in disguise. Fatu will face... Kylan King, who's one half of the uh, of the Impact, uh, or sorry, Knockouts Tag Team Champions on uh, tomorrow's tapings. So yeah, we've been wondering for a long time uh, what was going to happen with Trinity Fatu. Was she done in wrestling completely, or was she going to show up in another promotion? And here she is in Impact. Uh, I mean, I guess this will be an okay use of her. I mean, she is a former... SmackDown Women's Champion and Women's Tag Champ, so she brings some credibility to the division. How much of an of an impact, no no pun intended, she's going to make in the company remains to be seen. Um, and I don't think people should be getting their hopes up that Mercedes Monet is going to be debuting with Impact. I think that is uh, very unlikely to happen, especially right now. I think she was just there supporting her friend which was, you know, very uh, admirable. But uh, yeah, Trinity Fatu in uh, Impact Wrestling and saying that it was her release was a blessing in disguise in WWE. I don't know if I buy that 100%, but, uh, but, but it is what it so is. So I only have one thing to say about this. Impact Wrestling, where superstars go to die. Yeah, she's, I mean, she, she there is no way that she, that she's by choice choosing Impact Wrestling over WWE. That's a lie. WWE. That's where her family works. Okay. I mean, come on there, Tutti Fruity. Let's let's just face facts. You talk to Triple H. He tried to get you back on. He couldn't do it. I'm sure we'll talk about that later. That's going to come out. It just didn't happen for you. And now you are on. Impact Wrestling, where superstars' careers go to die. All right, buddy, you got the next one? This one will be my last headline. Uh, future of AEW Rampage after the new Saturday night show starts. There has been some speculation about what All Elite Wrestling will do with its Rampage program now that they're launching a second weekly two-hour television show on Saturday night titled AEW Collision. The show will air on TNT starting June 17th and will be built around the returning CM Punk. Then why isn't it called AEW Straight Edge? Uh, as previously reported, the premiere episode of AEW Collision 
is expected to feature another major talent debut or return. For more on AEW's brand split plans for top stars on Dynamite and Collision, we have a link here that, that, that uh, goes to another article. But until this week, AEW aired Dynamite, a two-hour program every Wednesday night on TBS. Rampage, a one-hour broadcast on TNT as weekly television programs. They also have their shows Dark and Dark Elevation, although it appears Elevation is no longer after Fight TV advertised this week's show as the final episode. There's been no confirmation from AEW regarding the future of Dark Elevation. Dave Meltzer reported that AEW's current plan is to keep airing Rampage and likely tape it after Dynamite, as they've been doing. Man, uh, they might be continuing it right now, but this just uh, exemplifies the fact that Rampage is the equivalent to main event uh, in AEW. It's a one-hour show with some lower to mid-card performers. No storyline advancement, absolutely nothing. Uh, so it's probably a show you can just start to skip once AEW Collision debuts on June 23rd. Um, so yeah, uh, we, we were talking about a brand split, which that's kind of been rumored now that they're going to have two two-hour programs on a weekly basis. But Rampage to me is just, it's just going to be another nothing show yeah, at uh, this point. Yeah, I don't watch it now. And as you notice, we don't even talk about it anymore. It's just, it's a waste of time. Uh, Rampage is, uh, I, I think you dropped the ball because Friday night is a good night. A very good night for wrestling shows, uh, AKA SmackDown. But I think you dropped the ball when you started as an hour and you would not increase it to two hours and do your brand split that way. You definitely have enough wrestlers to do it. I don't know. I I really, since you're having CM Punk head to Saturday show, I'm thinking in the long run, it's going to be a disaster. And you're really not thinking and looking at long-term stability. You also have Warner Brothers, who you only have a year contract with, who is pretty much your bread and butter right now, talking to WWE and over about coming on there. Yeah. so. Might want to use your head just a little bit. I know you're a smart business guy, Tony Khan, but man, some of the things that you're doing here, I, I don't know if you're if you're panicking because of the new Endover takeover of WWE or, or or what's happening with you, but not a whole lot of smart decisions here lately. Just and that's just for me on the outside looking in. Maybe I'm wrong. Uh, and then my hat last headline of the of this episode. Uh, unfortunately we'll end on a sad note WWE former guest host has passed away so we're sad to learn about the passing of Jerry Springer most fans will remember him as one of the most influential and controversial daytime talk show hosts in history some fans may remember he was a guest host of an episode of WWE Raw several years ago Springer was also friendly to pro wrestling on his own show as he had Razor Ramon, Scott Hall, as a guest in the 90s, to surprise kids who were fans of him. Justin Roberts was among many wrestlers, uh, related personalities, who appeared on the guest on the show. In his case, he was on there to play a character long before he got into the wrestling business. Springer first appeared live on WWE show in 2010 as the guest host of Raw. He also appeared on 2014 episode 
an inter intervention segment with the Bella Twins, and he hosted Jerry Springer presents WWE Too Hot for TV on the WWE Network in 2015. Prior to his talk show, uh, he was a politician and served as the mayor of Cincinnati, Ohio. TMZ, TMZ reports that Springer was battling pancreatic cancer and his family confirmed that he passed after a brief illness. So yeah, so our condolences to the Springer family. I liked the Jerry Springer talk show. I thought it was, I thought it was funny. I definitely remember, uh, during its day when I first seen it, it was, there was nothing else like it. That's before TV got, well, let's face it. TV's pretty much unfit to watch right now, <laughs> but that's before it got in the way it is. And, uh, he was the first one. He was a trailblazer to bring fighting on, onto talk shows and just, just amazing stuff. And, uh, yeah, he's going to be greatly missed. Definitely. Uh, your thoughts on the final headline, sir. Yeah. Jerry Springer was a, uh, was an icon of daytime TV. That, uh, that, that show was just, it was so crazy, man. When I, I, I was, uh, I was in my early teens when that show started to get really popular. So obviously I wasn't allowed to watch it the vast majority of the time. Um, but it was, it was like nothing I had ever seen before you turn on other talk shows that were on at that particular time. And everybody's just calmly sitting in their chair. Maybe they're crying, maybe they're occasionally shouting, but no, uh, actual physical confrontation. So that was, uh, that was, that's pretty crazy. You know, he's definitely going to be missed. And actually the, the episode of the Jerry Springer that you, show that you said they did on Raw, which involved Nikki and Brie Bella, was that the one where Nikki was, it was right, got right in Brie's face and was like, I wish that's you it. died in that's the it. womb. Ugh. That was, I mean, that wasn't Jerry Springer's fault. He did the best he could to, uh, to keep control of that train wreck, but that was one of the worst segments I think was ever, that ever aired on. <laughs> all right, sir. That's all I have for this episode. How about yourself? Uh, so uh, once again, I, I, I can't, we, we mentioned his name a couple of times in this episode, so I have to bring this up as well. There apparently were also reports because again, impact, as I said, was what city were they in this week for tapings? Chicago. Who lives in Chicago? CM Punk. Who was behind this? Who was backstage during the Impact Wrestling tapings? CM Punk. Yeah, he was. He was there, but uh, he it doesn't like he was just there. Yeah, and apparently, um, so, so I mean, I guess he's just gotta he's gotta make sure he, he visits every uh, single wrestling company that comes through Chicago these days. <laughs> He'll probably show up at a GCW event. Um, if New Japan ever ran a show there, he probably well, he's would doing. Show up. Uh, He's doing PR. He knows how bad he looks in the eyes of not just AEW fans, but fans all around, wrestling fans. So he's trying to do PR. He's trying to smooth things out and stuff he did in the past and make, uh, you know, make nice and make friends because he literally screwed up and the truth's coming out. And I think it's all a PR stunt. Probably his agent put him up to. I'm sure he didn't come up with it on his own because uh, he's too selfish and uh, too much of a jerk. Anything else, sir? Uh, All right, folks. So you've been listening to Against the Mat, a wrestling podcast. With your hosts, the Kentucky guy and 
and Donny Cage. And as always, folks, God bless and God bless America. Thank you. <laughs>